talk with Rajan. We bike. Yeah. Hello, world, and welcome back to Real Talk with Rajan, where nothing's off limits. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with me, and I appreciate that. I am your host, Rajan Lewis. Now, here with Real Talk with Rajan, everything's debatable. So, on any given week, we could be discussing anything from sports to music to politics. You name it, we'll discuss it. Now, for those who are new to the show, I break my show down into sections. The first part of the show is my current events and topics. The second segment of the show is my family slash relationship segment, which is followed by an audience question and answer segment. Though you can really ask questions at any time during the show that you're interested in. If you find yourself thinking, hmm, I have something I want to say and you don't want to say it here, you can always call the Real Talk lines. That's 843-900-6847. That's 843-900-6847. If you don't get me, you probably won't. Leave a message and I will listen to the message and I will respond to your message via inbox or via email. I have no problem doing that. Just make sure you do it. Thank you guys so much, man. This is great that you guys are back. Sean June on the beat. Shout out to Sean June. Tweety boy on the track. Thank you so much for that, man. Let's get right to it, man. Let's get right to it. So I want to start off tonight. First of all, I want to go ahead and thank you guys so much for watching this week. Um, It's it's always... um really special to me that you guys decide to take the time out your day to watch this show and to take part in this um, endeavor that I call Real Talk with Rajan. Um, every week, you know, going through it, it th- there are sometimes, you know, struggles and stuff. Like sometimes, you know, the video pauses up or, you know, you have different things that happen that make you like, you know, it's not worth it. But every week you guys turn up, every guy, every week you guys come back, every week you guys show yourselves to be Just dope, dope people. So thank you so much for encouraging me. But I want to get to these topics. So I'm trying to put them in here so y'all can see them with the links because I like to give you guys the links. So my wife told me to give you the links ahead of time so that I'm not giving you the links during the show. So I have posted all the links. If you're watching on the podcast, I will post the links in the podcast um, as well so you guys can have access to that. All right. So let's get into the first topic. So the first topic tonight, the first section of my show, I call, I call the cheers section, all right? So in the cheers section of the show, I am shouting out great things that are happening, things that we should be applauding, things that we be, we should be cheering for. So the first thing I want to shout out is Jay-Z has turned 50 years old. Yes, y'all, Jay-Z. Sean Corey Carter is now 50 years old. Now, that may not mean, you know, a lot to you guys who are, you know, of the, the era of the youngs where you know everybody's little something or young something or something like that but it means a lot to me as somebody who grew up a massive Jay-Z fan excuse me I grew up a massive Jay-Z fan listening to Jay-Z everything from reasonable doubt to 444 I've heard everything probably 87 times I'm that big of a Jay-Z fan so also in rap it's not common I'm reading I'm reading uh Michael Eric Dyson's book about Jay-Z um, called Made in America and one thing that he makes a good point of is the fact that we don't talk about Jay-Z in like we talk about other poets, other artists of their time who who um really took the um the artistry, the art form to another level. You know, we talk about Miles Davis, we talk about Duke Ellington, we talk about William Shakespeare, we talk about um the naturalists like uh geez, why can't I remember his name? But we talk about these different poem poets, we talk about these different artists, we talk about the Mike the um Michelangelo's in the art, we talk about um, Donatello, I mean, I'm talking Michelangelo with inventions. We talk about um, 
all these people that are there, all these things. But when we talk about our rappers, we talk about you know our modern people, we don't really appreciate them for what they are. Jay-Z is one of those people, he's done a lot of things that you're not supposed to be able to do in hip-hop music. So even beyond the, 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 the music side of it, I'm such a fan of Jay-Z, the person, um, and the, 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 where he came from to be where he is today, that, you know, to shout him out for his 50th birthday, like, shout out to Hove, man. Shout out to Jay. Like, you made it to 50, man. I pray I make it to 50. I'm 37 now. I'll be 38 in 10 days. So in nine days now. And um, no, today's the 8th. Nine days. Yes. Yes. No. My birthday is the 17th. Nine days. Yeah. What am I doing? Anyway, I'll be turning 38 soon. And, you know, I just hope to be, you know, where Jay-Z is, considering that Jay-Z got his record down. I think he was like... 25 or 26 years old and you know probably didn't see his first million until he was like 30 and now he's a billionaire a billionaire with the b if nothing else that deserves to be applauded that deserves to be congratulated for you know the things that he's been able to do so shout out to jay-z for turning 50 the beyonce husband y'all already know so that's the first you know cheers cheers to beyonce for to jay-z for turning 50 the second thing i wanted to do a cheers for is for chief uh Burgess. No, sorry, not Chief Burgess. Not, I'll go ahead there. I already told Chief Burgess. So Chief Burgess, Chief Reggie Burgess of the North Charleston Police Department is has been promoted to um to the statewide security director. Now, depending on who you're talking to, people may have different opinions on what that actually means. So I wanted to post that here and then we can we can begin discussing it. <clears throat> Give me one second. So I'm going to read from the article and then we can talk about it. And this is a happy thing. All right, it says, so North Charleston Police Chief uh, Reggie Burgess. Oh, sorry. Uh, credit to ABCnews4.com for this article. Um, North Charleston Police Chief uh, Reggie Burgess has been nominated by Governor Henry McMaster to lead South Carolina's Department of, of Public Safety. Governor McMaster's office released Wednesday um, an official nomination letter he sent to the South Carolina Senate announcing Burgess as his choice to replace current um, SCDPS director Leroy Smith, whose term ends in February. Smith revealed in a Tuesday in an email to the SCDPS staff that Governor Henry McMaster had informed him that he would, wouldn't be nominated for a third term after eight years running the department. Um, let's talk about this. First of all, it's amazing that that's happening for him. I'm really excited that that's happening for um, Chief Burgess. He's an amazing human being. He's a North Charleston native. He's a North Charleston graduate. He cares about the things that I care about. He cares about the people that I care about, which is why it's sad. It's happy and it's sad at the same time. It's happy because you want, you want people like him operating on the highest levels possible. It's sad because you hate to see people that care like him, that operate the way he do, operates the way he does, you hate to, to lose them. And North Charleston is losing a great chief. They're losing a great chief. Um, there's also, you know, people, and, I, and I'll keep going into the great chief thing before I get to the other part. Um, you know, he's he's one. He's a great. What made him a great chief? He's a great chief because he actually cares about the people. He's he's out in the communities. He doesn't see the people in the community as a thing to be solved. He sees them as people who need to be served. And when you look at um, the people that you the people that you serve in that way, you tend to find things happen. 
happening, like more trust in the police department, like um, better um, interactions between the police, the police department and the people who they are serving. You just see those things happening. And that's what we saw happen with, with Chief Burgess, which is one, why he's getting promoted to the higher levels, which is great. But it's also why I'm sad to see him go. I'm really sad to see him go. And I hope, you know, that this happens for the right reasons. Now, there were some people, there are some people who may look at that, look at this and say there are, um, there are bigger things at play that are causing this to happen. And I would say they may have some truth to, that may have some truth to it. I hope that's not the case. Um, I know that he was selected as the police chief right before the election time kicked off. And now it's, he's, you know, after the election for mayor is over, he's no longer the guy, which makes me sad because that may mean that the people who decided to do it did it for reasons that <laughs> that are nefarious. And I hope that's not the case. I just hope that's not the case. But we'll we'll leave that there. Um but yeah, I'm very happy for um Chief Burgess. I hope that everything I hope that he continues to have that, you know, face in the city of North Charleston that he has had. I know that um, me and Shaquem are gonna be talking about this on Wednesday um during the show. So I'm excited about that and I'll, I'll leave that there um if you have a suggestion of you know who you think should replace um chief burgess i know all of us aren't you know from north charleston so this may not be something that you're extremely interested in but if you're from north charleston this is something you should definitely be interested in or you live in north charleston it's something you should be interested in um but yeah um who do you think should replace chief burgess let's talk about that put put your um your uh suggestions in the comment section and i'll move on to my next topic so my next topic is Carmelo Anthony. So Carmelo Anthony is back in the NBA. Melo's bike. All right, Melo's bike. And because Melo's back, we're going to put that right there. Let me close that. Um, close my poll. I have my poll there. I didn't, I didn't put the poll up. I should put a poll out there, though. Anyway, so Melo's, Melo, um, Carmelo Anthony is back. Let me read the article about that. So I have some context to go with it. Shout out to sportsillustrated.com for the article. Um, it says, why Carmelo Anthony's comeback has been smoother than expected. So Carmelo Anthony made the most of his opportunity with the, um, the Blazers, earning a fully guaranteed deal through the rest of, <coughs> excuse me, 2019 to 2020 season, NBA season. If you are having issues watching this, you can also watch this show on my um, website, um, www.realtalkwithrajan.com. Um, I am live streaming it there as well. So if you're having issues, and I know a lot of people said that they're having issues with the um, with static or you know with it with it pausing, you can go over to my page. I'm pretty sure it's much clearer over there. I do apologize for the inconvenience. Still figuring out technical stuff on this. All right. So why Carmelo Anthony's comeback has been smoother than expected? So it says, how much of an uh, an apology do we owe Carmelo Anthony? The 10-time All-Star deserves at least a modicum of contrition, averaging 16.9 points per game for the Trailblazers entering Friday while shooting 38.7% from three. Anthony's return to the NBA was met with collective shrug by much of the NBA basketball intelligentsia, with many dismissing his final chance before he stepped up on the floor in 2019-2020. Anthony's defensive shortcomings were thought to be too glaring. His shot selection was seen as a scarlet letter. After a rough exit in OKC, 
a disastrous stint in Houston. Anthony was preeminently preemptively written off before the season debut of November 19th. With skeptics at every turn, this brief stretch in Portland may be one of the most satisfying periods of Anthony's career. So yeah, um, Carmelo Anthony is back in the NBA. For those who don't know, Carmelo Anthony, you know, great player for a very long time. He was actually in the same draft class as LeBron James. And last year, he could not get signed. Like, he could not get signed at all, which is crazy. It's crazy considering that Melo is Melo. Like, the the um, going thought process behind why Melo couldn't get signed is that he was blacklisted by the NBA for not wanting to take a more um, supportive role on the team. He didn't want to be a, a facilitator. He didn't want to be a, you know, uh, a role player. He wanted to be a star. And as you can see, he's back averaging 16.9 points per game. I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So shout out to Melo for bringing it back. Shout out to Melo for bringing it back. So that's my three congratulations. My, that's my cheers section. I don't have my applause button yet. I don't know why I don't have my applause button yet. Um, but I will have it soon. If you are watching this on Facebook and you're having issues um, with the with the signal, um, please go over to www.realtalkwithrajon.com and you can watch it live there. You can watch it live there, probably with much less issues um, than you're having on Facebook. And I do apologize for that. I'm still trying to figure out why um, this is happening. But moving on. So let's talk about the more serious topics. Let's talk about the more serious topics. So I have, as you can see, like four topics here that I want to talk about. One, two, three, four. Yeah. So we'll start with the Mike Vick petition. Let's just go right there. Because after the, well, there's a theme. There's a running theme with this. And we'll, we'll probably see it all, you know, at, once we get to the end of it. But um, I wanted to make sure that I took the time, excuse me, took the time to go through them in order. So, excuse me. So this article here from WTKVR.com says over 200,000 signed petition demanding NFL remove Michael Vick as honorary Pro Bowl captain. All right. So we're going to talk about this, this um, petition. I want to read, you know, I like to read the article first and then we can talk about it, All right? So it says, Michael Vick is going to going back to the pro, NFL Pro Bowl, this time as one of four NFL legend, legends Pro Bowl captains. But if some fans have their way, the ex-quarterback will lose his chance to mentor players and be on the sidelines during the game. A woman started a petition on change.org calling for the NFL to take back the honor and, the honor, and it has more than 200,000 signatures. So just to check the status of this, let's check this petition. Let's see how how many people it has now. So now I just checked it. It has 381,089. 381,128 in adding and going. All right. So over 381,000 people have signed this petition. Right. So it says, I just saw this on Facebook and was absolutely disgusted. She wrote on a petition page referring to social media post about Vic's inclusion. When is the NFL going to take any responsibility for the behavior of its current and former players? To honor a man who has zero regard for animals is unacceptable 
and I would like your help to make sure that he is not honored at the 2020 NFL Pro Bowl. Okay, I'm going to read further because context is important. So it says, Vic served 18 months in that in federal prison after admitting in 2007 that he participated in killing dogs and operated a business enterprise that invo involved illegal gambling. He was suspended by the NFL and filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. In 2009, Vic returned to the NFL and played for the Philadelphia Eagles, New York Jets, and Pittsburgh Steelers before retiring in 2017. He was then signed with Fox Sports as an analyst. All right, cool. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. So in 2007, Michael Vick was convicted of fighting dogs and killing dogs, right? Horrible thing, right? We can all agree there. It's terrible that he did that. I don't think there's a great idea that Michael Vick, you know, was participating in the things that he was participating in. I don't. However, I do believe that once somebody served their time, they've served their time. I believe that once somebody served their time, they've served their time, and we should not, we should not hold people, we should not hold people after they've already served their time and been contrite about the things that they've done, hold them to that. Like, we should not. There's not a place that, that there's no, you know, um, dog offender registry that people have to sign up for when they commit crimes against animals. There's not. The man lost his job. He was suspended from the NFL. He lost a lot of money. He had to file Chapter 11. That's not enough. Like, at what point is it enough? At what point is it enough that he served his time? In fact, after he got out, after he got out of prison for, for you know, the things that he did with the, against the dogs, which were terrible things, he's actually gone out of his way He's gone out of his way to do things to fight and advocate for animals and, and fight against animal abuse. Still. Still. People want their pound of flesh. People want their pound of flesh. And I'm going to tell you why this bothers me. I'm going to tell you why this bothers me. This bothers me because every time and you may not see it this way, but I hope that you can you can you can understand where I'm coming from. Every time there's an African American that is a, an atrocity is com committed against an African American, we are expected to forgive, 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 and move on. Every time somebody can, commits a mass shooting, forgive them. The Lord wants you to forgive them. Somebody, a police officer kills somebody's family member intentionally or unintentionally. Forgive them. You got to forgive them. But Michael Vick and countless other times when African-Americans commit crimes, whether they actually get convicted of it or not, there is zero forgiveness for that person. I can give you countless times that have come up. Like I can give you... Let's okay, let's talk about a situation where people weren't even weren't even guilty. Weren't they were convicted wrongly. Central Park Five. Donald Trump will still not apologize for his comments on that. Still. Still. How is that okay? 
How can we hold, say, oh, well, you got to forgive, you got to forgive, you got to forgive. But then when we deserve that same forgiveness, when we require that same forgiveness, there's no forgiveness for us, for us. And that's okay. Because what they did was so wrong. Trust me, if I'm looking at who deserves forgiveness, I'm not starting with people who kill dogs. When, when, I, when I look at people who don't deserve forgiveness, I'm not starting with people who, who, don't, who, don't, who kill dogs. And that's not because I hate dogs. I have a dog. I love dogs. But human beings matter. Take that for what you will. I'm just telling you how I feel about that. Um, again, I'm not saying that what Michael Vick did was right. I'm saying the dude committed a crime. He served his time. Let's let him move on with his life. Because that's what we would want. We want to be forgiven. We want to be forgiven when we, when we transgress our, our, our neighbor. We do. It's pausing a lot. I'm sorry. We do. We want to be forgiven. And despite wanting to be forgiven... We refuse to, we, that forgiveness is not given back to us. It's not, it's not, and it's sad. And it is sad. I don't know what's up with that, but it's bothering me. Um, yeah, so that's my thoughts on that. Um, I think Michael Vick was has committed a crime. He served his time. He served his penance. And we, he deserves to move on with his life. And if you don't think he deserves to move on with his life, then maybe you need to get a life. And I'm sorry, you know, if that offends people. I don't mean to offend you. Let's go. All right, so right now we're going to talk about George Zimmerman, right? So George Zimmerman, um, this article is coming from CNN.com, uh, written by Elliot C. McLaughlin, J Jamil uh, Lynch, and D Darren S Simon. All right, it says, George Zimmerman was acquitted uh, in the 2012 shooting of Trayvon Martin, but according according to the to the lawsuit filed Wednesday in Florida, he believes there was a conspiracy to frame him and wants more than a hundred million dollars in damages. Attorney Larry Clayman announced that the lawsuit <laughs> says the lawsuit was in tandem with um, Coral Gaber's screening of a docu documentary titled "The Trayvon Hoax." which has since been canceled. Um, <laughs> I haven't even, sometimes when I read these articles, y'all, it's the first time I've read them. So it's, it sort of takes me back. And I, I want to get that. I like that fresh feeling of, of experiencing it. So that's why I wait to read them a lot of times. So I'm going to start that over. Attorney Larry Clayman announced the lawsuit in tandem with the Coral Gable screening of a documentary titled The Trayvon Hoax, which has since been canceled. Zimmerman was scheduled to appear alongside Clayman Thursday at a news conference, but hours later, Clayman said the news conference was canceled as well. The chief allegation in the lawsuit is that civil rights attorney Ben Crump helped to swap out a reluctant witness, Brittany Diamond Eugene, for her half-sister Rachel Jantel and helped her prepare, helped her deliver a script to land Zimmerman in prison for the 17-year-old's killing in February 26, 2012. Crump began representing Trayvon's parents starting um, in February 28, 2012. The suit um, accuses Trayvon's parents, prosecutors, and state authorities of going along with the alleged ruse and are alleged 
to either have known about or should have known about the witness fraud, obstructed justice, or lied repeatedly under oath to cover up the knowledge of the witness fraud. Clement, who founded the conservative watchdog group Judicial Watch, has filed several lawsuits in the past, including birther lawsuits falsely that falsely claimed that Barack Obama couldn't be president because he was a, wasn't a natural-born citizen. Pause right there. Give me some more water. Because this is going to take a second to decompress. So this suit alleges that false testimony was given. False testimony was given by Rachel Jantel. And that was used to get him convicted. He wasn't convicted. He wasn't convicted. That's the first thing. He wasn't convicted. In my last segment, I was talking about this idea of forgiveness. Right? Michael Vick killed dogs. Yes. He admitted it's wrong to kill dogs. He's advocated against the killing of dogs since getting out of prison. He's filed for bankruptcy. He's lost things. He's, he's, he's lost friends, family members, business associates. George Zimmerman has yet to pay one iota of grievance like 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 con no contrition for the killing of Trayvon Martin and now they have the nerve to sue Trayvon Martin's family for a hundred million dollars and the guy <laughs> the guy who is his lawyer and is behind the charges is also one of the people who filed the lawsuit that President Barack Obama couldn't be president because he wasn't a natural born citizen. You see any ties there? Do you see any ties there? I see ties there. I also would probably, if we did a scrub of the list of people who signed that petition for Michael Vick to be removed from a meaningless game? They're probably along the lines of people who supported George Zimmerman in the Trayvon Martin case. And also the same people who were birthers. People who didn't believe that President Obama was born in this country. Now, what am I getting at, you may ask? I'm not getting at anything. I'm gonna, I, I am here to present you the facts. I am here to present you the facts and you are supposed to take the information that you have and use your brains to decide what's really pushing these things. Who's supporting these initiatives? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But if it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. That's feathers like a duck. It's probably a duck. It's a duck. It's not a dog. It's not a cow. It's a duck. And a lot of people are showing themselves to be ducks. And it's time that we open our eyes and realize who these ducks are. And this is really when I get into my bag about... I just watched the movie Malcolm X. And I don't even have this on, the, on my topics or things to talk about. But I watched the movie Malcolm X. And in the movie Malcolm X... Um, there was a scene where there's a white lady standing outside a courthouse and Malcolm X is walking into the building 
and she's the lady stops and she says, "Listen, Mr. Uh, Malcolm, um, I'm a big fan of your your work and your writing and your speeches, and I just want to know how can I help? How can I help your cause? How can I support your cause?" And he says, "You can't. You cannot." There's, there's nothing you can do to support me. There's nothing you can do to support the black movement that he led. Right? That's 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 what he said. That's what that's what he told her, and he told her that because that's what he believed. Now we also find that later on Malcolm X, you know, changed his mindset around that, realizing that in order to to make the change that he wanted to see in the world. He would have had to have a broader coalition. So this is where I'm going to take that discussion where Malcolm X was. And I want to bring it into 2019. For my white friends, my Caucasian friends, my Hispanic friends, my Asian friends, my, my, um, my Indonesian friends. People not from America. When, when you want to know how you can support movements that support African Americans... It's not by coming to African-Americans and saying, I support you. It's by going to your family members and your friends and advocating for black people there and trying to get them to understand why they also should be supporting African-Americans in these things. If your response to things like this is, well, it wasn't me, so I'm not racist, and you call yourself an ally, it doesn't make you an ally. It makes you a bystander. When you stand by and watch people get bullied, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make you any less of a bully than the person doing the bullying because you're doing nothing to stop it. There are people like George Zimmerman walking this earth who have family members who know better, who are not saying to him, you're wrong. And that's why he's still out here making his rounds because he knows that even if you don't support him, you're not going to get in his way. So then you leave black people to fight for these things for ourselves and wonder why are black people bitter about certain things? Why are we distrustful in certain situations? Because maybe you're not a racist. And I'm not calling anybody a racist. That's the one thing I try not to do is call people racist. But you have to understand that if you're not an advocate, you're not an ally. In order to be an advocate, in order to be an ally, you have to be an advocate. That means outwardly speaking towards the causes that you say you care about. I can't say that I care about kids and see a child being abused right in front of me and do nothing. I can't. I can't do that. You dog lovers, you can't say you love dogs and then when you see a dog getting abused right in front of you, you do nothing. In the same regard, you can't tell me you support African Americans or you believe in equal rights or that, you know, um, everybody should have the same access to the same things and then when you see people not having access to the same things, you don't stand up and say this is wrong. And I know that's a rant that's far off from the George Zimmerman thing, but it aligns. It aligns. 
Because I have people that I know who are good, who I believe to be good people. I also believe them to be bystanders. If I'm at a school and I see and I say, I believe that all children deserve the right to learn. And I see a teacher not giving a student in that classroom the same right to learn as every other student in the class. And I just say, oh, that's not my problem. Well, I'm not going to make it worse. Well, you did make it worse because you sat there and watched it happen. We got to get out of this mindset that by not being racist, that means you're helping somebody's cause. You're not. In fact, you're helping the cause that you say you're against. If I'm watching a woman get beat, and I'm sorry, I know, I know I'm going to use a lot of examples, but I want this to be graphic. I want this to be clear, and I want this to be clearly understood. If I say I am against domestic violence, and I walk outside, and there's a man beating a woman, and I just keep driving. I'm no better than a man beating her. I'm not. So if you're not a racist, but you mad cool with people being racist around you, or you're quiet and you sit back and you, when people are being racist around you, you're just as bad as they are. You are. And I and I want to say I hope that doesn't offend people, but I hope it does. I really do. I hope that offends you. I hope it offends you to action. I hope it offends you to stand up and take a stand for the thing that you say you care about. Now, if you don't care about it, then by all means, I'm not going to force you to care about it. I can't. But today, I challenge your sensibilities. I challenge you to stand up. I challenge you to stand up. I challenge you to say, no more. Not around me, you won't. Because that's what George Zimmerman needs. George Zimmerman needs somebody to stand up and say, that's not right what you're doing. And I'm not going to support it. And not only am I not going to support it, I'm going to fight against it. That's how change happens. Hey, Ms. Robin, just because you just popped in, I want to use this example because you made me think about it. If during the Holocaust, right, there was a time during the Holocaust that the United States of America had a hands-off approach on what was going on. And we acted like we didn't know what was going on. We knew what was going on. Go back and look. Maybe we didn't know how bad it was, but we knew that people were getting snatched up and thrown into concentration camps. Maybe we don't know how bad the concentration camps were, but we knew that there were concentration camps. As a country, not me personally, I wasn't alive. We were bystanders. We were just as guilty as Germany in that case. So let's bring that back to 2019, going on 2020. If you say you care about issues affecting African-American people, then I need to see you advocating for African-American people. Period. Period. If you're not advocating, you're not an ally. You're a bystander. And bystanders are not helpful. For who that was for, I don't know. I hope you got the message because it was from the bottom of my heart. All right. Um, thank you guys for watching. Real Talk with Rajan. 
Um, like I said, I am also broadcasting live on my website, www.realtalkwithrajan.com. If you're listening to the podcast, which is available on everywhere that you can find podcasts, um, I am available on Real Talk with Rajan. Just Google me, man. And I hate that. That sounds mad arrogant when I say it. But Google me. Like, you can find me. I promise. All right? Um, I'm going to move on to my next topic. Now, Ryan. Oh, no. No, Ryan. Sorry, Ryan. Yeah, you're going to have to catch that one because I was on that for a while. <laughs> but uh, I think it's despicable. Just, just, you know, to sum it up. But I went into some other stuff, Ryan, that I think, you know, maybe, you know, something me and you could talk about. Uh, shout out to Ryan Claymore. Um, one thing I want to say about say is this about this show. And I'm, then I'm going to go to my next topic. Um, one thing I want to say about this show is I really try to use this show to create conversations. I want to create conversations by design. And I want to create conversations that are not um, finger pointing or accusatory, but instead something that challenges us to a broader um, a, broad, a, a larger conversation that is not only uh, meaningful, but also respectful and has an ability to change minds and change lives that can change the world. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. I present my thoughts. I present my concepts and the way that I, 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 you know, I do in a way that I hope you don't feel is um, accusatory. Sometimes I know, you know, I can use some language that may make you feel that way, but I promise you that's not my heart. I promise you that's not my heart, but I will keep it hundred percent real with you. And I will, 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 you know, engage you in discussion about it. If you say, Hey, Rajan, and I say this all the time. If you say, Hey, Rajan, um, you made a point about something and I really disagree with it. And I'd like to talk to you about it. I actually, um, there was a gentleman that I met with not a few weeks ago. That was the exact same thing. Um, like, I, I really welcome a difference of opinion. I, I welcome you to challenge my thoughts and my way of thinking. So please don't ever think that you can't. Don't think that Rajan is above how, somehow, you know, all of this. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not actively um, willing to participate in a conversation about these things. I just think that's important that you know that. That's important to me. Um, it's important to the show because it's what, what makes this show work. That's what makes this show work. And thank you so much for everyone who's watching. Um, I see a lot of comments. I see a lot of comments. I love that. Ryan, thank you so much for joining, man. Like you're, 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 you're a dope dude, man. I can't wait to meet you one of these days. I really can't. I'm going to go to my next topic. Um, I guess I was, I mean, I'm in a lot of, a lot of, you know, topics with depth tonight. Um, it's not a whole lot of smiley stuff after, you know, that first segment. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm going to keep it rolling. I'm gonna keep it rolling. Let's let's go with um I, I guess I go to plantation weddings. Alright. So the article says Pinterest and the not pledged to stop promoting plantation weddings. Alright? And Cezola was among five major websites that said they would cut back on promoting and romanticizing weddings at former slave plantations. Alright, so five major cutbacks who often used um for wedding plant planning have pledged to cut back on promoting and romanticizing weddings at former slave plantations. Pinterest, the Knot Worldwide, which owns the Knot and Wedding Wire, and Brides announced Wednesday that they would make a variety of changes, um, a variety of changes, including removing all references to plantations on their sites and prohibiting adjectives like charming to describe venues where many American ancestors were once enslaved, tortured, and raped. On Thursday, Zola said it would remove plantations from its venue listings. Um, the documents 
sorry, developments, a number of which were reported by BuzzFeed News came in response to a targeted campaign of color by Color of Change, a racial justice organization. Rashad Robinson, the group's president, said that his team had submitted emails in October requesting a dialogue with five companies. It says you have a multi-million dollar industry that makes money off glorifying sites of human rights atrocities, he said in an interview on Wednesday. For us, that's outrageous. All right, so you may think to yourself, hey, why is this such a big deal? Why do people care? You know, the homie Ryan, hey mom, the homie Ryan just said, you know, people don't have enough things to be offended about. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's interesting. So let's 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 go from and I, I I guess I'll start with Ryan's comment really, because you know he's the homie and you know I like I like the fact that he presents an opposing opinion. You not even I won't even say opposing, but he provides the other side of things which I don't mind which I don't mind. Um, so he said things change that may have once represented one thing, now represent to another represent another to one person it's a family heritage to another it's a sign of oppression. So I'll put it this way, and I heard somebody say this one time, and it made it didn't click into me until much later. My happiness, if my happiness causes your sadness, my happiness is irrelevant. If it made me happy to stab people, would I be allowed to stab people? No. If it made me happy to run red lights and hit cars. Would I be allowed to run red lights and hit cars? No. So impact versus intent. This is something that you learn in the military, Ryan. Um, and we can talk about that too. No, Ryan's good. Ryan's good, mom. Um, impact versus intent. So if your intent is to talk about the heritage of your people, Cool. Let's talk about the heritage of your people. Your people own slaves. Your people were slave owners. Your people raped slaves. Your people mutilated slaves. Your people tortured slaves. Now, you want to talk about the parties that they had in the house or that were run by the slaves who were beat, raped, tortured? You want to talk about the the landscaping, the beautiful landscaping that was maintained by the slaves that were raped, beaten, and tortured and sold like cattle? You want to talk about the long-standing um, history, which was largely abetted by slaves that were raped, beaten, and tortured? Mutilated? Not, not you. Not you, Ryan. But you know what I mean. Also, the idea that, well, my family didn't own slaves. Cool. That's great. But remember, we just talked about allies versus advocates. If you're not tearing a thing down, you're building it up. Especially when it talks about something like that. 
Let's also talk about the fact that, so that's my feeling on plantation weddings. If you want to go to a place and have a wedding there, I can't tell you not to have a wedding at a place of your choosing. It's your money. You have the right to, to do so. You could get married in a dumpster if you want to. Let's take it out of a plantation. Let's say let's get married at Auschwitz. Because my family's German and I want to talk about the German heritage. The brave people who fought for Germany during World War II. Hmm. Not so pleasant now, is it? We don't want to get married in Auschwitz? No. Want to get married in Siberia? You know, nice cold weather wedding. Talk about, you know, people march to their deaths. No, we don't want to do that. Why not? And again, Ryan, this is not about you. This is about the larger picture. And then you bring people to these plantations and then you use Language like, oh, these were their servants. These were their assistants. There's literally a slave plantation down here that gives a tour that says the slaves, the enslaved people were assistants. The assistants maintain the property. That's sickening. As a black man, I don't even move into neighborhoods called plantation. Like, I don't. Like, that's the kind of thing, you know, that works up in me. Like, if you know the history of South Carolina and you know the way that <laughs> people come down here for the down-home feel of things, you know, Charles, you know, South Carolina is so nice. Charleston's so nice. People are so polite. And we are. We're really polite. Even when, like, like you probably get, like, the nicest robbing of all time in the city of North Charleston. Like, people will be mad polite as they're leaving you of your items. They, they will. But that's also because for a few hundred years, African Americans were taught that what happened... It's in the past. It's okay. Without looking at the systems that were put in place to keep people in the places that they're in. And one of those things that keep us mentally in the place that we're in are these plantations that continue to bring in millions of dollars every year. Now, I'm not, I'm a big proponent of history. I'm a big proponent of history. I'm a big proponent of um, remembering what happened. But if we're going to remember what happened, let's remember what happened. Let's not pretend like we don't know what happened. We know what happened. We know slavery happened. We know the atrocities that happened. Now, I want to go to another point that Ryan made. And thank you so much again for making that point, Ryan. The KKK was founded by the Democratic Party. That is a fact. 
Now let's provide context because context is important. The KKK was founded by the Democratic Party, by um, actual former um, former Civil War soldiers who were upset that African Americans were beginning to have freedom after you know um, the Emancipation Proclamation in the South, and so they began riding around with hoods on their heads and committing atrocities against African-Americans, <laughs> which were supported by the United States government. We can say that because it's true. Um, you want to debate, if you want to debate if it's true, we can talk about that. But let's also remember this. There was a thing that happened in the mid-60s after Lyndon B. Johnson signed the, um, voter, the Voter Rights Act, <laughs> which is when the parties flipped and the Democratic Party became the Republican Party and the Republican Party became the Democratic Party. And here's a little history for you, in case you don't know. <laughs> so, Strom Thurmond was a Democrat. Strom Thurmond, one of the most notorious racists in the history of South Carolina. He was a Democrat, right? Until Lyndon B. Johnson signs the Voting Rights Act of 1968. The Voting Rights Act of 1968 is signed, and then the Dixiecrats which was led by Strom Thurmond, decided, no, no, no. We're going to take our power. We're going to take our way of thinking over to the Republican Party to support them. So then, now you have the racists who are commonly known as Dixiecrats, which became Republicans. So those people who would have been in the KKK, Strom Thurmond, <laughs> moved to the Republican Party. And that mindset has prevailed with the Republican Party since then. Not, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say in totality, I'm not going to say that all Republicans are racist because that would be a lie and that would be an overgeneralization, which is absolutely irresponsible irresponsible and I try not to use my platform irresponsibly but understand that the Democrats one uh, Abraham Lincoln was a Republican Abraham Lincoln was a Republican John F. Kennedy was a Republican Strom Thurmond was a Democrat you can't we cannot just continue to warp history to fit our models of thinking we can't so with that being said I hope we clarified that situation I hope we did if not you can hit me on the real talk lines at 843-900-6847 that's 843-900-6847 and I really enjoyed this discussion man this has been really good um, I got a couple more topics actually I'm past 807 I'm only off by, by um, 8 o'clock but I'm going to keep rolling. Um, thank you guys for rolling with me. I know I had to break this show into two parts um, today because of the technical issues, but it looks like it's going a little bit better this time. Um, and if you're watching on www.realtalkwithrajan.com, thank you, thank you, thank you. I have, this is the first time I've ever I've ever done that. Um, yeah. Hold on, let me see. Ryan had a comment. Yes, however, that's a smaller sect of a whole. Uh, no, Ryan. It, it was it was literally a total swap, man. 
It was a total swap because light as it's kept, as quiet as it's kept, um, and it's actually pretty well known, Lyndon B. Johnson was also a racist. He just didn't want the black people bothering him. But he was also a racist. Go back and see, and this is the thing, this is where my ability to discern matters. And yours should too. Yours should too. Anybody else's should. But that's what happened. It was a total flip. Because then you have Republicans, um, Ronald Reagan's Republican. After that, look at the Republicans, right? You got Ronald Reagan, um, after um, sorry, after Lyndon B. Johnson, the Republican presidents, I believe Lyndon B. Johnson, um, was it was it was a a Democrat. He's a Democrat. Um Republicans, dang. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. You are alright with me, man. You really you really are alright with me. And that's why I like you. That is really, not not because not because I'm right. Not because you said I'm right. But yeah, the yeah, right? Like you you know. Right. Yes, now farmers are thank you. You feel me. We you know what, Ryan? One day you're gonna come to South Carolina or I'm gonna come to where you are and we're gonna we gonna make that happen. We're gonna make this discussion happen. Cause cause I like you. I like you. I like that you're different. I like that you think differently. Um and and we we still find that common ground. And you listen to reason. And I listen to reason. We're both people that listen to reason. I gotta say that I was really shocked that Kamala Harris um left the Democratic race. Um I I you know when she announced a few days ago, and where's that article? Here's the article. All right. It says Senator um, Senator Kamala Harris of California dropped out of the Democratic presidential race on Tuesday after months of low poll numbers and a series of missteps that crippled her campaign. A deflating come down for a barrier breaking candidate who is seeking to become the first black woman to win, her, win a major party's presidential nomination. The weeks the decision came after weeks of upheaval among Ms. Harris's staff, including layoffs in New Hampshire and at her headquarters in Baltimore and disarray up among her allies. She told supporters in an email Tuesday that she lacked the money needed to fully finance a competitive campaign. She said, my campaign for president simply doesn't have the financial resources that we need to continue, Ms. Harris wrote. But I want to be clear with you, I am still very much in this fight. I was really shocked by that. I was really shocked by that because I thought that she was doing really well. I don't know. I just... I thought she was doing really well. Um, I'm trying to figure out what it was that caused her, you know, of course the money, but I was trying to figure out if there was something else, some other underlying, like something that she, I don't remember her saying anything to, um, to, to, to offend people or tick people off. I know that she doesn't like uh, her and, um, dang, uh, her and, uh, was it Tulsi? Her and Tulsi do not get along at all. Her and Tulsi do not get along at all. But, I mean, she went at Joe Biden at one time, which, you know, people loved. And um, then outside of that, she really had no no major beefs that I can think of. So, you know, I hate that she, I sort of hate that she left the campaign. I thought she was actually a really strong candidate, but she's not going to be the one. So we'll see who's left. Um, I don't think that she's out of it for good. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the future with Miss. Kamala Harris, um, I think she ran a really good race while she was in, uh, but now she's gone, and we move on to the next person.
All right, so um, let me go back to that before I get into the Nikki Haley topic. I want to talk about this. I right, says, my favorite, uh, Ryan says, my favorite, my favorite, this always irritates me. The first black woman, first woman, first black man, etc. Too many people don't look at what they represent or who they are, only the fact that they align themselves as a minority. Okay, MLK says something about being judged by the content of your character and not the color of your skin. True. You're absolutely right. Um, and I would be 100% with you if those things weren't held against you when it came to being put in those positions. It wouldn't be a big deal to be the first black man or the first black woman or the first woman president or you know anything if we've had other black presidents or black women presidents or white women presidents or Hispanic presidents. Yeah, I think we do um, over-segment in this country. I gotta admit, that's something I definitely agree with is the fact that we look for labels to put on ourselves to separate ourselves from other people. I don't enjoy that, but I definitely understand why that happens. Um, because the entire history of our country is pretty much being told what to do by old white men. And so in that regard, anytime you have someone, you know, and this is something really, if we look back, let's look at history, right? Um, I think the only Catholic Catholic president we've ever had was John F. Kennedy. Um, I think that's the only one. I don't think any other president we've ever had that, that was Catholic. And that was a big thing back then. Um, being Italian, I don't think we've ever had an Italian president. I don't think we've ever had an Italian president. And then we had, I well, Kennedy was Irish. He was the only Irish president. Um, we've never had an Italian president that I can think of now. If, if, if I'm wrong, let me know, because I don't remember us having an Italian president. But I'm just saying, these, these things exist because, these labels exist because they've never happened. So if somehow we get to a place where We've had 15 black presidents and being a black president would be a big deal. It's like being a black quarterback, right? Remember there was a time where being, you know, a black quarterback was like, oh my gosh, they had a black quarterback. That's amazing. Now the top five quarterbacks in the league are black by most people's estimations. So nobody's like, oh my God, black quarterback, black quarterback, black president, woman president. None of that will matter. Then it'll become the new labels, you know, to be the gay president or the trans president or, you know, Asexual president, whatever. Um, but that's what's coming next. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of embarrassing to have Obama be the first black president. Colin Powell, Herman Cain, Condi Rice would have been much better. Um, I, I would disagree with you. And I've met Colin Powell, and he would greatly disagree with you when it comes to President Obama. Like, greatly. Condoleezza Rice would also disagree with you or President Obama. Herman Cain, I don't know if that's really the guy that you want. But you can Google him and you can figure that out for yourself. Um, but I've met Colin Powell during the election. He would disagree with you about President Obama. Greatly. Look up. All you, all you got to do is look it up. Like, the... And when I, and the thing about me is that when I speak, man, I don't speak from a standpoint of I heard. Like I read and I I, I watch I watch a ton of documentaries. Um, I watch, you know, I try to stay away from the news a lot of times because the news is really depressing. But I get my knowledge in, man. 
And I don't shoot from the hip. I don't shoot from the hip. Um, if I am shooting from the hip, I will tell you that I'm shooting from the hip. That's another thing that people should do more often is, you know, say, hey, I haven't researched this, but the stuff that I've been telling y'all, I've been researching. What's up, Ashley? I see you. Um, but yeah, um, I'm, 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 I'm a big, I, I am a big Obama supporter, um, a big Obama guy. Um, we can talk about why we disagree on that one of these days, um, but I definitely am a big Obama guy. Um, him being the first black president was the only way we would have had a black president. <laughs> it, it like, it was the only way. And you may not understand that because you never stood in the shoes of an African-American man. The same way that I don't understand things when it comes to um, women, because I've never stood in the shoes of a woman. So there's certain things about being a woman that I'll never understand. There's certain things that I just won't. And that's okay. That's not a that's not a knock on women. That's not a knock on me. That's the world. That's the world. Um, yes, yes. Please watch the replay. Um, yeah, the show is still going. I talked about our topic earlier. I talked about the topics earlier, but I'm actually uh, uh, getting my fin my final topic, which is one that I'm interested in your in your um, in your ideas on. So I want to go in on this topic, um, which is Nikki Haley and her comments about the Confederate flag, and I want to talk about this. From the standpoint of my experience, as well as the history behind things. And I've already made the comment earlier, and I want to make it again, that it's okay for you to be happy about something. It's not okay for you to be happy about something that makes me sad. Like, if a girl was like, Remember that time I broke your heart? Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I wouldn't be very happy about that. So let's use that as the gateway into this discussion. All right. So the article I'm reading is from the New York Times. It says Nikki Haley's Confederate comment sparked backlash. Uh, she says she told the conservative radio host Glenn Beck that the Confederate flag, Confederate flag symbolized service, sacrifice, and heritage for some people until and people in her state until Dylan S. Roof hijacked it. Dylan S. Roof hijacked it. All right, so Nikki Haley, former South Carolina governor, came under criticism on Friday after she told a conservative radio host that the Confederate flag symbolized service, sacrifice, and heritage for, for people in her state, some people in her state, until Dylan S. Roof hijacked it. Mr. Roof, the avowed white supremacist who killed nine parishioners when he opened fire in the manual AME, um, Episcopal Church on June 2015 posed with the flag and several photos photos before the long planned attack. Mr. Haley, I'm sorry, Mrs. Haley, uh, a Republican and former United States Ambassador to the United Nations, made her comments on Friday on the podcast, um, the Glenn Beck program hosted by Glenn Beck. During the interview, she paid tribute to the people targeted by Mr. Ruth, calling them amazing people before she turned her attention to him and the flag. So let's talk about this idea of the Confederate flag representing service, heritage. Service, heritage, and what was it else? What was that one thing? Service, heritage, and... Sorry, service, heritage, and what was it? Service, heritage. Sacrifice, sacrifice. Service, heritage, and sacrifice. Cool. Service, heritage, sacrifice. Remember those words. 
right? So that's what she believed the flag to represent. Now, I will say this. To some people, to some people, that flag definitely represents service, sacrifice, and heritage. Some people, To some people, it does. I would say that is a really weird way to interpret treason. So let's consider the history of the Confederate flag and the Confederacy. So there was once a country. There was once a country called the United States of America. So people from the United States of America decided we want to start our own country. That's treason. They established a country and that country stood for four years. Shorter than the period of time the United States was under British rule, under Spanish rule, or under French rule. Shorter. Four years. The Civil War lasted from 1861 to 1865. During those four years, a terrible war was fought. A terrible war was fought over many things. One of those things... One of those things was slavery. There are many farmers and people who, who never owned slaves. You and this never owned a slaves thing. You, you, I don't think you understand why that's not important. I don't think you, I don't think you understand why that's not important. Right? There were some people who fought for the German army who never killed Jews. They also fought to keep killing Jews. Rather their implied, whether their stated purpose was because I want to keep killing Jews, there were some people in the German army who didn't want to kill Jews. Guess what they did? They supported the killing of Jews. And I keep making these, these comparisons because there's one that we care a lot about and we say, never again, never forget. We'll never, we will remember, we're not going to make this something that we stand behind and support. And then on the other side, we say, oh, well, that's all right. It's okay. Let's not infringe on the rights of these people. If I walked in your house and you had a British flag up, I'd be like, why is there a British flag in your house? You're an American citizen. You're an American. Now, mind you, if your family's from Italy and you had an Italian flag, then I wouldn't be like, okay, cool, it makes sense. But none of your families are from the Confederate States of America. None of them. None of them. The country wasn't around long enough to have people from the country. So the African Americans, largely, and I can't speak for every African American because I haven't met every single one. But for African Americans, that flag represents hate. That flag represents the killing, murdering, raping, mutilating sale of black people. Again, if you're not an ally, if you're not an advocate, you're not an ally. You're not. You can't tell me that you're cool with me, but you're cool with things that make me really upset. I'll give you an example. I think 
child abuse is terrible. I think pedophilia is despicable. Right? I'm sure you do too. If you walked in your living room and somebody was abusing a child, would you be like, but it makes that person happy to do it? To them, it means something else. What do you care? You wouldn't. I wouldn't. Nobody with any sense would. However, there's this flag that the vast majority of Africans, Americans will tell you this thing offends me. And you say, who cares? It's my heritage. Again, let's talk about your heritage then. Because though the only you, nobody can say that the only thing that they fought over was the right to own slaves. We cannot say that. And I would never say that because that's not historically accurate. But let's break down what went into that. The South fought for states' rights. They fought for states' rights. Right? They fought for states' rights. What did the states want the rights to do? The states wanted the right to own slaves. How do we know that? We know that because as the United States expanded westward, and again, this is a history lesson. If you're not into history, then I'm sorry, but history is important. We started doing things like, we started doing things like saying, oh, we're going to introduce this as a slave state. We're going to introduce this as a free state. We're going to introduce this as a slave state. We're going to introduce this as a free state. Why would we do that? Why would we do that? Also, how many of the states in the Confederate States of America were non-slave states? Huh? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And 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 that's you know, again, I'm I'm willing to engage that discussion. But in engaging that discussion, we have to decide what we really believe. We have to decide what we really believe. The states wanted the right to decide for themselves whether or not they could own slaves, which we know they wanted to own slaves. Now, one of the misnomers, and I want to clear this up as well, is that once um, the Emancipation went out, that freed all the slaves. Not true. Because the Emancipation proclamation only freed slaves that were in the Confederate States of America. There were some states that were slave-owning states that stayed with the Union. Those, sta those states did not free the slaves until the end of the Civil War. So, we're going to make sure we clear that up. They, they, they definitely wanted the slave rights voting. They definitely wanted the slaves voting power. You're absolutely right there, Ryan. And that's a very good point. The two-thirds, I'm sorry, the three-fifths, um, no, two-thirds. Three-fifths compromise, where every three slaves counted as five people, or every, like every five slaves counted as three people. Like, that? <laughs> They're not people. Like, let's, let's think about this. They wanted the right to be able to own slaves so they could count them as non-people. 
this this doesn't make it better. It doesn't make it a more heartwarming tale. The Emancipation Proclamation was not a publicity stunt because it actually did something. Um, it gave it gave. Again, we gotta we gotta just just look more into it. Look more into it. Again, after the war, you're right. But those guys knew though. Those guys knew. Alright, so I wanna I wanna make sure I go back and I don't wanna overlook your comments, B, because I know that you're you're a very astute person. Um and I wanna make sure I, I give your comments the respect that they deserve. Uh, da, 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 da. Um Oh word. Absolutely right. But again, you gotta remember, Ryan, and, and I'm glad we're having this discussion. This is really good. Um you gotta remember that the United States government never never acknowledged the Confederate States' right to separate. Like, they never acknowledged that. So when President Lincoln was writing the Emancipation Proclamation, he was writing it as with the, Uni with the CSA addressing them as members of our country, which technically they were because unless you're granted freedom from that by, by treaty, you're not free. You know, after, you know, the we go back to um, the the War of Revolution, you know, the the War for Independence. Um, yes, we were colonies. We were still British colonies. We called ourselves independent. But until we fought for our independence and we got a treaty that said we are free and independent states, we were not free and independent states. So we can say we want, we can say we are whatever we want. Like I can say that my house is whatever I want to say it is. But unless the United States gives me a separation from the United States, this house is still on U.S. land. This is still U.S. property. So the correlation to Canada does not exactly match there, but I feel I feel the sentiment. And thank you for again those points. Good points. Good points. So back to I'm sorry, Nikki Haley. And I, I'm sorry, you know, Nikki Haley. One, this was definitely a publicity stunt. I'm pretty sure she's gearing up for a run of some sort. I'm sure it's it's a it's um it's it's a it's she, she's getting up for a run of some sort. She's taking a, a run of some sort. She's either run, about to run, try to try to be on the ticket and replace Mike Pence as um, President Trump's running mate for his reelection, or she's gonna run for president very soon, very soon. Um, I don't think she'd run against Trump, so I think she's just gearing up for a run in 2024. That's just my my thoughts. Um, let's see, Ashley. Um, it's a constant dance to respect the beliefs of those who think and are different from you. Yes, I'm not. Also, I'm not only talking. I'm not just talking about the Confederate flag or the plantations or any of these topics tonight. This is a simple fact. Yes, absolutely. Um, you have to work every day in your marriage. You have to work every day to be sensitive and respectful to those around you. Some might see it as their heritage. Some might see it as a disrespectful symbol. Please understand that I'm not taking a stance. I'm making a general and truthful statement. And I think you're absolutely right, Ashley. It, it is. It is a constant dance to. Make sure that me exercising my freedoms doesn't infringe on your freedoms. I think that's important. I have the right to a freedom of speech as long as my freedom of speech does not impugn any of your freedoms. Um, I think that's the line that we should draw. Now, in a relationship, that's definitely more emotional based, um, you know, at a job, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I absolutely agree with you there. Totally. You try to offend everyone equally. No, that's not a good policy, Brian. <laughs> that's funny. Um, honestly, I'm a Nikki Haley fan. 
Should she have said what she said? Maybe, maybe not. Was there a better way to say it? Yes, definitely. Because when you make that, when you make it seem like that, and that's also, thank you for getting me back there. Because I, I, I went off, I went off on a tangent and I, I never, never made my actual point. To act like South Carolina was mad cool with the Confederate flag until Dylan Roof took it is crazy. That's insane. The same lines that were drawn with the Confederate flag before Dylan Roof, that, that existed after Dylan Roof, were there before Dylan Roof. It, there was not a thing where I was like, most people were like, yeah, we love that flag. Fly that flag. I'm flying that flag on my show in the background of my show so y'all know how much I love the Confederate flag. And then Dylan Roof came and killed nine people and we were like, you know what? That flag is kind of bad. That didn't happen. That didn't happen at all. The same lines that were drawn on that flag now were drawn then. In fact, I want you to go back. I want you to go back and look and maybe I haven't done my full research on this one, so I'll, I'll let you do it. I want you to go back and find any protest that was pro-African-American in the past hundred years. In the past hundred years. Find one that's pro-African-American where the Confederate flag is flying. One. Proudly, not an anti-protester, like one of the people that are for the African-Americans are flying the Confederate flag. Now, I'm going to juxtaposition that with this. Go back to any anti-African-American or anti-minority rally. Let's see how many Confederate flags you can count there. Just an experiment. I think that gives you your answer of what, what this thing represents to people. The vast majority of people, not everybody. Because no, no, no group of people is a monolith and to act like people are monolithic in that way is really not a good thing to do. It's not a good representation of, of who we are as people and what we can be. Now, this is what I will say. A flag didn't own slaves. A flag didn't do the things. Oh, okay, here we go. They're black and they're... Oh, this guy. Please don't, 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 don't use him. Please don't use him. Please don't use him. Please don't use him. Because that's that's where I have to get into something that would take me a whole nother hour to explain to non-black people. And it's called self-hatred. I'm pretty sure his entire family has abandoned him. I'm pretty sure. I don't have it on definite, but if that was my granddad, or that was anybody's granddad that I knew, Homeboy would be out of here. Homeboy would be out of here. Yeah. But again, that's not a pro-African-American rally. That's a person. And people get paid to do things all the time. That's all I'll say about that. Remember I said, 
a pro-African-American rally. We had the civil rights movement. You can look at the civil rights movement. Let's go look back at that. Black Lives Matter. You can look at that. You can look at... Go to the March on Washington. Let's see how many Confederate flags we can count at the March on Washington. In 1963, where the I Had a Dream speech was made. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. I would even say, let's go back to, um, what was it? What, the women's voting, um, the, no, I can't remember the word, I'm sorry. Suffrage, during the suffrage movement. Let's find out how many Confederate flags were supporting the suffrage, women's suffrage movement. Let's see. I've I've never heard that, Ryan. And I've been a black man my whole life. But please send me send me some links to those people, because I gotta find out more about these people. Um, because I'm pretty sure that Jews don't want Nazi flags flown at their homes to remind them about Nazis. Now maybe I got that wrong and they really want us to know it so badly that they're flying Nazi flags at their house. I'm just saying. All right, cool. With that being said, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, 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 I think we I think we had we had a pretty good show tonight, man. We had a pretty good show. Um, I want to thank everybody for watching tonight. Like I, I feel like we we did this. I feel like we did this, man. I feel like we did this. We had a really great show tonight. Um, I had a take that I was gonna do for my closing, but I think I, I think I've done enough. I've been on for like an hour and forty minutes, so I'm gonna get off now. <laughs> thank you guys so much for watching. I'm gonna start my music up. Start my music up. Got my music going. Hammer bammer. And I've got my clothes. I'm gonna close. Thank you so much for watching tonight. Remember that the show is now split into two parts. On Wednesday at 7 p.m., I interview my local celebrities, and on Sundays at 7 p.m. is my normal live show. This week's local celebrity spotlight is gonna shine on local activist, community activist, Shakim Amin Aptek. He's gonna be coming on to talk about local um, politics, um, local policies, local um, national politics as well as his support for the Donald Trump campaign. This is really a, going to be a great show. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to tell you why. Because I've challenged people to come on my show and be pro-Trump since I've started. This is the first time that I want to have somebody who's going to take that. And it's not going to be uh, trying to get a gotcha moment. It's going to be to really have a discussion about the two sides of the conversation and what he believes that President Trump is bringing to the table. He is an African-American. So, Ryan, this is one of your people. <laughs> this is I'm pretty sure he, he, could, he could get with that guy with the Confederate flag, which is weird. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, dang, I left my... But yeah, so Wednesday night, 7 p.m., uh, my local celebrity spotlight should kill me not tech. Um, if you are doing something in the community and you would like a light shine on it, 
please reach out to me on the Real Talk lines. That's 843-900-6847. That's 843-900-6847. And leave a message to tell me, you know, about getting on the show. I also, on my website now, you can go into www.realtalkwithrajan.com. That's www.realtalkwithrajan.com. You can fill out the link right there, which will allow you to select the dates, to put in your information as well, select the dates that you want to come on. I'd love to have you come on the show. Let's do it. If you'd like to be made aware of when I go live, because sometimes it is unscheduled, please be sure to click the follow or subscribe tab on the page and turn on the notifications so that you'll know when something new has been posted to the page. In the meantime, please follow me on social media to stay up to date on what's happening with Real Talk with Rajan. On Twitter, I am at Real Talk Rajan. On YouTube, I am at Real Talk Rajan. On Periscope, I am at Real Talk Rajan. On Instagram, I am at Real Talk Rajan. And I am Real Talk Rajan. So get with me. Sorry. Trying to switch my music out. <laughs> um, feel free to leave comments, questions, and whatever else you'd like to say in the comment section on the message section. I love reading your messages and getting the feedback even when it's negative. If you watch the show and you're like, hey, I love it. Let me know why. I want to keep doing it. If you watch the show and I'm like, you're like, I hate it. I want to know why. Let me know so I can fix it because I want to get better. I am currently accepting invitations for speaking arrangements, speaking engagements, and event hosting opportunities. If you would like for me to host or speak at your event, you can request me through my Facebook page or you can email me at realtalkwithrajan at gmail.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you for watching. You guys are amazing. You guys are amazing. You guys are amazing. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your insights. Thank you for disagreeing with me. Thank you for disagreeing with me. Like that means a lot that you... Trust me enough to disagree with me and know that I won't disrespect you for disagreeing with me. That's important. In closing, in closing, always remember, God is everything and without him, we are nothing. So never forget where your help comes from. And if a man doesn't stand for something, he is bound to fall for anything. That's word to Malcolm X. Real talk. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See y'all on Wednesday. Peace. Sean June on the track. Yeah.